Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on Apple Podcasts. You wonder at the man I am. At all the things I've done and ask if I'm a prophet. A prophet? No. I'm a voice. A voice crying from the desert. Make yourselves ready. Live clean and holy lives in word and deed. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on in Ambridge. I'm Stephen Bowden, who used to run a falafel van called Pulsations, and I have a message from the other side of the world. Hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is Jacqueline Berto. Sadly, all our efforts to record Dumpty Dum together with Stephen has absolutely failed this evening. So I say this morning, he's now... 10 past 1 in the morning in Flagstaff, Arizona, where it is currently clear skies, bright moon, and minus 5 degrees. But I'm in a hotel lobby between two cocktail bars with a perfectly good internet connection, a noisy background, and my laptop won't connect to the internet, and I've had several drunk boffins trying to help me, but it's no good. can't do it. I just wanted to wish you all a very happy new year. Sorry, I can't help Stephen out this week, and it was going to be a great show. I wish you all well, and I will be back in San Gwen next uh, Saturday, so I shall be recording Saturday morning <laughs> in my in the comfort of my own home. Pretty slightly jet-lagged, but hey-ho, that's the way it is. Speak to you all soon. Bye. But there's still you, our lovely Dumpty Dummers, 
who have everything carefully captured in your spreadsheets. Welcome to Dumpty Dum, a show about our favourite country village. This week's episode of The Archers were written by Katie Hymns, and this week, in addition to your calls, I want to spend a bit of time remembering Ian Pepperell, who played Roy Tucker, whose death was announced just before Christmas. We have a very select set of calls coming up, and they're from Jen, with her thoughts about Roy, loves Jazza's singing, who agrees with Kate about Harry, Paul from Olney, who's happy for Alastair and Denise to take things slowly, and finally, globetrotting Richard, who has thoughts about tree surgery, ponies, and HR departments. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Suey, a roundup of the Dumpty Dum Facebook group by Witherspoon, and the tweets of the week from Theo. But before we get into all of that, let's remind ourselves about what happened this week with a roundup of The Week in Ambridge coming as usual from our Suey. Hello, lovely people. It's Suey here, Queen or Tart on the Twitters and Blue Sky. It's time for a quick reminder of this week in Ambridge, which of course included Christmas Day. There were a lot of couple interactions this week. Alistair and Denise, who will now be the practice for animal team, while Paul and Jacob concentrate on the horses, were ready to have a snog on Christmas Day, but were interrupted. They both admitted wanting to kiss at the end of the week, but it was too complicated with them working together. We'll see, shall we? Talking of working together, it sounds like Emma and Ed are going to train up to be tree surgeons after a tree fell on Emma's car. They might be able to get a grant for training, but they'll need to find a lot of money for a truck and equipment. I am sure the bank will be thrilled to lend them about 20k without a business plan or experience or, you know, whatever. I really hope they can make it happen. Emma was consequently late for her shift at the ball and got a rollicking from Lillian, who has engaged droppy cow mode. She and Justin got back together with rather a lot of booing from the cheap seats. Justin is such a pantomime baddie. Hopefully Lillian will be a lot nicer, but she still told Tracy to cheer up and smile at people. On Christmas Day, it was all round to the stables for all the invitees, including Freddie and Elizabeth, Denise and John, who were then joined by the Brookfield party, who had no cooker, and clearly nowhere else to go in such a huge village with um, cottages and all that. David, Ruth, Joy, Jill, Leonard, Stella, Ben, Pip, Rosie, and presumably Bess the dog and old Tom Gobbley and all. They ran out of rinse aid for the washing up machine. Jimmus went to Jazza and Tracy's. Thank goodness for that. Alice was sabotaged by Brian and Kate and had to admit seeing Harry, who then turned up early. Kate, in a rare moment of insight, declared she didn't like his aura, whereas most of us just think he's well dodgy. Mounts to the same thing, really, doesn't it? Brian looked in on a yoga class run by Kate and was decidedly complimentary about her activities. That was most odd. He suggested that Kate move in with him as he's feeling lonely without Jenny, darling. She said they probably shouldn't live together, being a Libran and a Scorpio. Oh, dear. Anyway, Happy New Year to one and all, then. Until next week, then, my lovelies, and I hope it's a good one. Thank you for that, Suey. And I hope that you and all Dumpty Dummers had a great Christmas and are looking forward to a good New Year's celebration. 
At this point, I'd normally talk to Jacqueline about how our week has been, but that's not really very practical with Jacqueline unavailable. So instead, I'm going to go straight into our calls. Hello, Tiger. Mm. And first up, we have this call from Jen, Ambridge Pony Club. Greetings, everyone in Dumby Dumland. Jen here, just calling in to express my very genuine condolences to the cast, to the friends and family of Ian Pepperell. What a terrible loss. Whatever we think about Roy as a character, there's no doubt he was played brilliantly by Ian. He had such a good touch, he was such a good supportive actor. I loved his voice. I think he's one of the most believable characters in it. And actually, I liked Roy. Yes, he started out as a wild child. He started out notably as, as a racist. But boy, did he grow up and boy, did he make some, some huge changes in his life. And he turned into such a nice guy. I loved his relationship with Mike. They were so believable as father and son. Mike was such a great dad and Roy was such a great son. I mean, when we think about the storyline with Bethany, Roy was the one there reassuring Mike, promising he would be there for his sister. He was so good about that. He was such a good single father to Phoebe early on and she turned out pretty well and a lot of that was down to Roy. Loved him and Lexi. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Loved him and Haley. I don't think it was very hard to be a good actor when you were next to Roy. He really was excellent at that. It was unfortunate that he, in later years, he didn't get the success as a character that he deserved, and he got a bit. The character got a bit lost, but he's going to be so missed. What a fantastic actor, and, and what a very sad loss. Thank you for that call, Jen. I've been looking back over Roy's career on the Archers, and yes, as you say. At times, he did feel a bit lost, especially towards the end. But actually, throughout his entire time on the Archers, Ian Pepperell played Roy in so many different ways. Yes, there was the boring spreadsheet Roy. But whenever Roy got involved in romantic assignations, he became a really interesting character. And his love life was particularly complicated. It all started with that relationship with Kate, which led to the two of them travelling the festivals in the mid-90s, selling falafels from a van called Pulsations. And ultimately, Roy got Kate pregnant, and he wasn't actually there at Glastonbury when Phoebe was born. But it would prove to be a significant moment in his character development. Then he married Hayley, and that seemed to be going fine until he had an affair with Elizabeth during the running of Loxfest, which caused that marriage to come to an end and for Hayley to, to move away, taking their daughter Abby with her. Then came Lexi, with whom he fell deeply in love, despite the fact that he knew that she was heading back to Bulgaria at any moment, and she then stayed on to become surrogate for Adam and Ian. And things seemed to be going okay, but in the end, there wasn't enough in common between the two of them, and Lexi returned to Bulgaria. More recently, Roy has been looking for relationships, using online dating and so forth, and most memorably was that relationship with Layla, who he met online, chatted with for a long time, finally met in London, and then she invited herself back to Ambridge, where she decided to try camping for the first time, and did so at the rewilding. Glad you came, are you, Layla? Oh, I love it. The things you notice when you're not in a hurry. Like that flower, the corn cockle. If that's what it was. You could look it up. I will. 
I want to know all about it. Check on your phone. Oh, no, I'm not touching the phone while I'm here. Anyway, I brought a book with me. Ah, Adventures in Crosswords? Oh, well, that, obviously, but also a field guide to wild plants. You want to look it up now? No. Do you? No. Layla. <laughs> what the? Oh, what the? Get off, you mad animal! Get, get away from me! I know that Jacqueline actually wanted to talk about Roy's relationship with Phoebe, his daughter with Kate. I think that Roy probably regarded Phoebe as the great success of his life, the first person from Ambridge that we know of to go to Oxford. She has now gone on to a successful career working on a biotech startup in the wastes of Argyllshire. Phoebe always had a fantastic relationship with Roy. She kept him grounded, he kept her grounded, and given that the other parent was Kate, it was a remarkably successful outcome. You made life very embarrassing for me. How? Oh, um, well, me and Lexi ended up going for a drink together after the book signing last week. She was at the Borstershire Bookworm? Yeah. You invited her? No, well, no, Kirsty asked her along. Look, it, it doesn't matter. Because you fancy her. Uh, Forget it. Um, I've said my piece. Oh, Dad, you and Lexi would be so good together. She's lovely. Well, yeah, she is quite nice. She was so supportive when I had my scare. I wish you could have told me. Dad, But at least you went to someone sensible. Are you going out with her? What? (laughs) Hardly. Well, not after blundering in on Friday, assuming her and Constantine were an item because of the test. Yeah. She was really insulted. That's when I found out it was yours. Sorry. Do you want to go out with her? Phoebe, it's none of your business. Ian Pepperell brought Roy really richly to life. And we don't yet know whether the part might be recast. But it won't be the same with another actor. And I think that we should all remember Ian Pepperell as a fantastic contribution to the debt of characterisation across the Archers. And we will all miss him. Now, let's get on to the rest of your calls. And next up is a call from Love's Jazzers Singing. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Love Jazzers Singing here. Second time. Call it in although the first time was over a year ago. And yes, it was me who left the Spartan review on the podcast, calling in because I love last night's episode so much, following our um, discussion about Harry, is he a wrong and or just posh? Kate waded in with a classic and said that he has a bad aura. Oh my gosh, I now passionately want her to be right. The pony storyline also is so interesting and I wonder if it's going to be the vehicle by which the adults play out their own psychodrama and something terrible happens. Just highlight their selfishness, or mostly Alice's. Gone with the wind comes to mind when Rhett and Scarlet's daughter is flung from the saddle, and I wonder if that's in store for Martha. God, she seems very young to be riding, but I'm a townie, so what do I know? Last one, the Bethany Tucker storyline. Apparently that birth was 10 years ago, and I'm really sorry we didn't get to see her growing up. It would have been wonderful to have a young actor with Down syndrome on the show, and it kind of felt a bit out of step that she was spirited away. And we also got about her. Thanks for a brilliant show. I absolutely love it. I have ADHD and been struggling a bit with the audio lately. Don't know if it's just me or if there's um, been a tech problem, but always persevere because 
everything that you put out is, yeah, it's just wonderful. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for the call. Loves Jazz's scene. And I'm glad you've been enjoying the podcast. We really enjoy putting it out. And it's feedback from you and from others that keeps us going. Thank you for that. I agree with you about Harry. I have always been, up to now, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But equally, I have felt, much like Kate did, that there was something not quite right about him. And I'm hoping that we will find out soon enough whether those fears are justified or whether, in fact, he just comes across badly and is, in fact, perfectly good. We'll find out soon. I also agree with you about Bethany. I think that it was a pity that the programme decided that they didn't want to deal with a long-term storyline involving somebody with Down syndrome. I think it was a massively missed opportunity. I believe it was a result of a change in editor and a decision to focus on other things. But I believe that the whole loss of the, the Tucker family, Mike and Vicky, the Bethany, Brenda, who I really miss, just disappearing off, didn't do brilliantly for the programme. I think that they were part of the village that isn't really duplicated by anybody else. Mike, with his grumpiness, but his strong devotion to his friends, his loyalty to Neil and to others, his union activities, which really haven't been repeated since, gave a debt to life in Ambridge, which was never really replicated. And a story involving Bethany would have been very much in that grain. It would have added something to, to what we hear in Ambridge. But unfortunately, that wasn't to be. And we now know that Mike has said his final goodbye, came back a year or so ago to make it clear that that was it for Mike Tucker. And now we've lost Roy. So those are our first two calls. A couple more to come. and We'll hear them very soon. Now, as you know, we've closed down the Dumpty Dum website, so those of you who used to use it to access SpeakPipe will have to go directly to SpeakPipe to leave your message there. But the ever-expanding Facebook group is up and running at full speed and is our main online presence. We encourage you all to join us there. There are various ways that you can join in on the podcast, and the details of what I'm about to tell you are also in the show notes. Your first option is to record a message or prop prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com slash dumptydum. And don't forget the T in the middle. The next option is to send us a voice note or message via WhatsApp. Now, to do this, you need to go to the WhatsApp app on your phone, open it up, dial the number, which is 07810-012-881, or plus 44 and remove the first zero if you're calling from outside the UK. Then select the little microphone logo and press that. And then you can start talking. But please do keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. And finally, we have an email address you can contact us on if you'd rather write to us with your views. A maximum of 250 words, please. And the email address is dumptydum at mail.com. And do bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part and to contribute. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now, let's get back to our calls. And next up is Paul from Olney. Hello, folks. It's Paul in Olney. Yes. 
just after the Thursday night episode has aired. So yet to find out what's going to happen on Friday. But at least we now know we're spared a long, drawn-out, pseudo-comic Tarago of attempts by Tracy and Emma and others to get Justin and Lillian back together. Hurrah for that one dissolving itself quickly. What I hope will take longer, and it, it does seem to be moving at a slow pace, is the relationship between Alistair and Denise. I think it was his hands who was using to warm her hands after they'd been sat outside eating sandwiches in the in the cold, but you never know. Um, I think it was his hands. But that one's moving at a quite gentle pace, and I think for characters of their age, one of whom's married, that's probably the right thing to do. The impression I get of Denise is that while she's not happy in her marriage, she's, I don't think, the sort of person who'd rush into an affair while she was still married. So that's my plot prediction as we end this year, is a slow burn on the Alistair and Denise, what will end up to be fiery relationship, but hopefully not as fiery as Lillian and Justin. One of those in the village is quite enough. Enjoy your New Year celebrations, everybody. Speech to all in 2024. Thank you for that call, Paul. And I too was a bit worried that we were going to have some sort of strange sub-Shakespearean plotline involving Tracy and Emma conspiring together to try and get Lillian and Justin back together and for that to keep going horribly wrong. And I really wasn't looking forward to, to that sort of thing. It just felt like the sort of storyline that could get tedious very quickly. So I'm glad that it appears at least to be resolved, at least for the short term. I'm also in agreement with you about the Alistair and Denise storyline. I think that does need to be played slowly. It's a difficult situation for them. I think that they clearly have recognised how much they care for each other. But life isn't that simple, and there's a lot of unpicking to be done before they can find happiness together. And not only does Denise need to sort out her life and her situation with John, but she will also have to explain the situation to Paul. And I think in many ways, in many ways it's going to be quite complicated to have a situation where Alistair is in a relationship with one veterinary nurse at the practice who is the mother of the other veterinary nurse at the practice. I think that a lot of HR departments might raise eyebrows about that whole situation and Lovell James might not be entirely happy about it. But we'll just have to see how that turns out over time. And now for our final call, which is from Globetrotting Richard. Richard calling in from the Atlantic coast of Portugal in Eretzira. Season's greetings, everyone. So is being a tree surgeon a good business? Three or four minutes on the blessed internet tells you marketing plans, where to find repeat customers, approximate earnings, maybe 30 to 50K a year revenue once you're up and running and well-established. So that might be attractive. Good luck to them. They ought to go and talk to other business people in the village of whom there are plenty to get some advice. A good website, maybe something for George. Online marketing, clever things using Google Maps to identify where all the trees are. Lots of things they could do, but they shouldn't just be relying on one person, one of them met in a pub. Getting a horse, getting a pony, apparently costs between 100 and 500 quid a month in terms of stabling vet fees, training it, which apparently is quite tricky. 
Shetland Poland's lived for 20 to 30 years. So it's a pretty massive decision. I'm not surprised Alice was taken aback. Quite big of her to rock on her heels and say, maybe it's a good idea. But blimey, I was a bit taken aback when my ex-wife got one of my daughters a dog. It's still alive 14 years later, popular member of the family, but it's been a massive commitment. And finally, the HR processes at the veterinary practice. So there is an HR person at headquarters. Surprisingly, Jakob, who earlier I know spotted Alistair had feelings for Denise, just nodded that one through and offering her the job in a public meeting and no discussion about terms and conditions, money, etc. Surely you would always have a chat with someone in a private room if you're going to offer them a job or a job transfer. What happens if she said no? What happens if she said how much am I going to be paid? So many, so many issues. Wonderful and happy new year to you all. Bye. Thank you for that call, Richard, and a happy new year to you. So you covered three things, the first of which was the Grundy's venture into tree surgery, or their consideration at least, of going into tree surgery. There's been a long history of Grundy contracting plans. I remember many, many years ago, Eddie bought a hedge trimmer, a serious agricultural hedge trimmer, not just a sort of handheld thing. And he painted it up with the words, Eddie Grundy, contractor, with a large gap in the middle, which... Elizabeth, I think, or Shula, or felt the, the large gap was there for him to later on add the words and sons when his then school-aged children might become old enough to join him in his contracting venture. One of his first tasks was to trim some hedges that Shula had identified for him to do. She'd very carefully marked up the trees within the hedge that weren't to be trimmed with ribbons so that Eddie would know not to cut those. And needless to say, he didn't notice that. He didn't follow the instructions. He just flat-trimmed the entire hedge, much to Shula's shock and horror. And ultimately, when the Grundys went bankrupt, all of that went out of the window. Ed has done the contracting thing as well. He bought himself a tractor which he could barely afford, but which I think has enabled him to do enough work around the village to pay itself off and to keep him going. And now that's going to have to be put to one side. I suppose if he's still got the tractor, he can sell it if he's going to go full-time onto the tree surgery. Moving on to the pony, a number of people have commented that it's a very big thing to do to buy a child a pony. I suppose, though, that if the father is a farrier and the mother runs the stables, you can't get much better place to manage pony ownership. But even so, it is quite a thing. And, and it's not surprising that Alice was somewhat shocked when Chris gave Martha the pony. And it'll be interesting to see what comes of that in the months ahead. And indeed, whether or not Martha actually wants to ride. Though I suspect that she has been given rides on the back of small ponies, the stables, on a regular basis. So again, she's going to be fairly well equipped to start riding, given that background. Now, I'm going to disagree with you about your final point on the employment of Denise at the surgery, because Denise doesn't work for the surgery. She works for Lovell James. And just as they deployed her away from the surgery and put Paul in instead, she can be deployed back to the surgery. And I imagine that her contract terms are going to be identical. So the only issue is not how much she's going to get paid or anything like that. That's all fixed and determined in her contract with Lovell James. The only question is whether she wants to work at Ambridge, which she clearly does, and all the issues around the fact that she would be working alongside her son. Now, in my experience, which is largely civil service based, you're not supposed to be in a management relationship with somebody who is close to you. 
So if your partner works for the same government department, that's not a problem provided the two of you are not in a single management chain with one being the boss of the other because that could give rise to concerns, even if they're unjustified, about unfair treatment and favouritism. But as far as the pay and conditions are concerned, those are going to be set by Lovell James, and they're not really something that Alastair and Jacob could even discuss with Denise. So I don't think that's an issue. I don't think that was a, a mistake. I think that's just the way that it works within a large organisation which has a number of offices. So those were this week's calls. Only four of them. They were all excellent. We'd welcome more calls for next week, so do call in uh, and tell us what you think about the programme. We're now going to move on to Facebook, where, as I said, our main online presence is, and we have around 2,500 very active, friendly and erudite members. We need to give a very warm welcome to the newest of them, who are Paul Smith, Emma Zakowska, Penny Mays, Andrea Fall, Rasheen Murray, Christopher Simon McKiddy, Sarah Vinn, Sheila Shields, Amy Parker Dixon, and real worker. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Before we get into that, as I mentioned last week, we're looking for a volunteer. We have a team of great rounder-upperers, but at the moment we're short of a regular contributor to do the roundup for the fourth recording of each month. So if you would like to join the Facebook roundup team and get, take on that slot, please do get in touch. But this, of course, is the fifth recording of the month, so today's roundup comes from Witherspoon. Greetings, Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's with Spoon and Angus Haggis here with the Holiday Social Media Roundup. When I last did the Social Media Roundup a few weeks ago, I began with The Week Began With a Death, referring to the demise of the least liked character on the program. Today, I again start with The Week Began With a Death, but very sadly in real life, with the passing of the very well-liked and respected Ian Pepperell. There were many tributes to him on our Facebook page. Gene Richardson wrote, such sad news. I loved Roy as a character and missed Ian's acting recently. Let's hope that this time such a loss gets proper recognition in the program. The most controversial Christmas present this week was Martha's Shetland Pony. Keith Penfield opened up the discussion with the question of whether Martha has shown any interest in riding. Why would Chris make such an impulse purchase? As Melanie Matthews, Kate Creighton, and Barbara Hopkins pointed out, it was all about his brand new competition with Harry. Christmas Eve brought the first episode of the new rom-com when Alistair worked with Denise. How many interruptions and missed opportunities until they shared their first kiss? Chris Gibson pointed out that Denise and Paul are another example of parent and adult child in Ambridge being forever linked. But Jonah Tishmarsh is just not excited about Alistair and Denise as a couple, as he finds Alistair to be the world's dullest man. And Cynthia Howard thought that Alistair came across as rather ungrateful when he led the divvying up the Christmas tat session. However, he was rather sweet in inviting Denise to join him for lunch later in the week, and Darcy Jorgensen particularly enjoyed the tomato-tomato memory. Jonah Titchmarch reversed course and anointed Alistair warm hands man. The Christmas kitchen debacle at Brookfield, which was clairvoyantly predicted by Stephen, did not go over well with several Dumpty Dummers. Julia Delwich thought it was all rather silly. Boxing Day seemed rather depressing. Melly McMerryweather was not impressed by Lillian's behavior. Benjamin Kevin thought she was vile. And Leslie Dale thought she was rude. And Jackie Fear was worried that Ed hadn't renewed Emma's auto insurance. 
Hadn't he already talked with Flo? Oh, that's a joke for our American listeners. Wednesday brought a respite from the holiday hijinks. Kate did not take to Harry, so Darcy Jorgensen wondered if Kate was jealous. On the other hand, Glynis Goodwill was worried because she agreed with Kate, as did Helen Blackburn, Andrew Thanethorpe, and Audrey Brown. Julian Corrigan pointed out that like a broken clock, Kate has to be right now and again. Thursday brought a happy ending to one of this year's Christmas stories, and I posted that a bell rang in the bowl as Tracy got her angel's wings in helping to bring Lillian and Justin back together. Finally, Emma and Ed and their planned tree surgery business. Kate Penfold worried that setting up a new spousal-owned company in your 40s is just asking for trouble. Rob Williams pointed out that time and age work differently in Ambridge. Example, Shula training to be a vicar at 65. But Fiona Caspers reminded us that Emma has been all over the place these days when it comes to possible new careers. I'll let that be the last word from our Facebook pages this week. A Happy New Year to you all. Thank you, Witherspoon, and thank you so much to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. If you'd like to join them, please do. But don't forget to answer the very easy membership questions so that we know that you're a real person. Now on to Twitter, where you'll find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archer's hashtag using a capital T and A, so the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any Archer's-based tweets. As well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found at Wenlock House. Jacqueline can be found at Jberto Sanguen. But we are both spending more time discussing pictures on Blue Sky. I am wenlock.bsky.social, and Jacqueline is at jberto.bsky.social. So let's find out who has won the Twitter medals this week. Tweet, tweet, pushcat. Or should that be XX these days? Hello, Jacqueline, Stephen, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here, back with Tweets and Skeets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, and everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week, on both Blue Sky and Twitter, Alongside a lot of commentary on the will-they-won't-they they of Alastair and Denise, there's been a lot of careers advice for Emma. Alongside some sympathy for her feeling unsettled now George is grown up, the tea room's fate is uncertain, and Clary has named the elephant in the Grundy room as financial insecurity. There are a surprising number of images of two people with chainsaws advertising the new Grundy and Grundy tree surgery business, and wonderings about whether Oliver might invest £17,000 but also a number of people asking why they don't talk to Jamie Perks, the last person in the village, to train as a tree surgeon. I threw in a Mike Tucker option too. He was always chopping wood and pruning trees, but Brenda Selwyn pointed out that he was only a tree warden, so maybe not expert enough to help Ed. Well, now it's time for the medals for Blue Sky Skeets and X-Posts, all of which we continue to refer to as Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Ian Roberts at slowbikeian.bsky.social. I don't trust Harry, but now that Kate said she doesn't like his aura, I've no choice but to hope he marries Alice and becomes an integral part of village life for years to come, just to annoy Kate. The silver medalist is another Ian at Ruther Ian. 
It seems Alastair and Denise are still at the heavy vetting stage. And the gold medal goes to regular medalist Miranda at Apple Android app. Emma doesn't need any specialised clothing for their business. She's got that coat like Fallon's, which I assume she'll strip off when they do a celebratory shag at the end of each job. Well, that's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Hashtag The Archers, Twitter or Blue Sky next year. Thank you, Theo, and congratulations to all who are mentioned in this week's roundup. And don't forget that we're on Instagram, at Dumpty Dum, where Theo also looks after things. Next week, we'll be recording at the normal time of First Thing Saturday morning, when Jacqueline should be safely home from her travels. So please get your calls in by midnight on Friday, UK time. And as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to the whole team who look after our social media and support us in so many invaluable ways. And also to the whole Dumpty Dum community. You make doing this podcast worthwhile. And we must say thank you to Kim Durham and Sonny Ormond for their voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for listening and joining me today. I'm now going off to see the new year in Down at the Bull with Roy Tucker. Fallon wanted. Oh, come here, big boy. No, I ought to. Oh, no, you don't. Oh. Oh, that was worth waiting for. In fact, I uh, might just uh, nip to the loo, excuse me.